Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we have a very interesting show for you today. Um, it's called Mom of Brittany Heislopes, First Love, Not Brian Koberger, Tells All. Now, in case you're a little lost and wondering who is Brittany Heislope, um, she is the woman, young woman, 35 years old, who has been writing on social media uh, about her being lovesick for Brian Koberger. Um, so today we're going to be talking about women who do that, who write men in prison, um, who send them sexy pictures and all of that, why this happens. But um, for all that, we're going to be talking about, well, we're going to be talking to the mother of another young man who was Brittany's first love. And his name is Cody Hall. So now... Um, and the, my guest is named Donna Hubbard. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Donna, but I purposely did not want to uh, write too much in the description because I want to make sure that she is comfortable with whatever it is that she um, gets told about her. So Donna, um, first of all, she lives in Kentucky, and she um, is the mother of Cody, as I said, Brittany's first love. And the reason why she's coming on this show is not just to talk about her experience with Brittany and her son's experience with Brittany, but also to talk about how the mental health system failed her son and uh, who was uh, who is in jail. He's was convicted and is in jail for 23 years. I mean, he was given 23 years as a sentence. And um, I will let her tell you more details about that. But basically... Uh, Donna is the one who helped her son um, put an end to Brittany's obsession, which became too much. So welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I don't know what else you would like to tell people about yourself. I'm leaving that open to you. Well, um, I would rather just focus more on Cody and the issues at hand than myself. Um, when Cody, he was actually seemed to have a pretty normal childhood and seemed pretty normal as a teen. And then he, he's as a child, there was little things that we'd noticed, but we just, we kind of pushed to the back burner and ignored like what, and, kind of like what kind of things? Well, he he had told us that there was um, a stuffed goose. I know that sounds crazy. That my grandmother had that was handmade, and he had swore as a child that 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 goose had came alive and attacked him. Mm. And we and he to this day he's he still says that he remembers that happened to him as a child and then he had um the 
the little mannequin, like ventriloquist dummies. And he, he had several of those and he got really afraid of them and we had to get rid of them because he said that they would talk to him. And as a, as a child, we just thought this was just childhood things and never really put any focus on it. And then How in his, he when he told you about these two things, he was probably around seven, eight, maybe when, when these, things occurred uh-huh. and then as he got older he started dabbling in drugs a little bit but it was mostly marijuana and then he ended up he started to use methamphetamine and from what I have researched schizophrenia manifest in males in their 20s and well, it actually, yes, typically, it's actually from about 17 to 25. That's the age range. Correct. And that, that's when we started seeing more strange behavior from him. And we, we had put him in so many different facilities and, and done everything that we could do. We, there are probably... 50 or 60 calls that I had made to the local police departments and sheriff department to try to, to do something. And, and everybody would just dismiss it and, and turn their head. We, he was in Eastern state hospital and they had actually diagnosed him with schizophrenia and put him on medication. And then he was in, um, Somerset Hospital in their psychiatric unit on two or three different occasions and he went back to Eastern State and they the doctor there told him because he told the doctor he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia and the doctor said you you don't want that diagnosis and they sent him home every time after the, the mandated hold the last time he was, it was in um, Corbin at Trillium. He was there, suicidal, tried to overdose in the waiting room, uh, threatened people. They had to move him to the back to a different room, was very erratic. He had thought we had took him there to have him euthanized. He thought it was a death clinic. And so when he got out of there, he, you know, he had issues. I I begged the mental health system. I begged law enforcement. I said, you know, somebody is going to die if, if he, he's, he's not helped. I tried to do the Casey's law and it was just, I met a brick wall every avenue I went down to try to help him. So he finally agreed to go to rehab. He'd done 30 days in rehab. The day after coming out of rehab, he ended up taking off. And then the next day is when the attack occurred. So how old was he then? Oh, jeez. He's been... Five years ago, and he's 33, so he was 28, I'm pretty sure at this time. Okay. 
Well, so the attack occurred and it was a very brutal attack. My daughter, which is his half sister, was very brutally attacked. And another lady, to my understanding, had instigated him all night and she had done it in the past and had said things to him to to try to upset him about his his son. He has one child and he's very protective of his child. And, and Cody was an amazing father. He spent time with his kid. He loved him. We he was in court going to visitation at CPS to, you know, try because I wouldn't let him see his his son. And the mother was in agreement with it because, you know, we were afraid. So he was doing visitation at CPS and passing drug screens and doing doing well. And then he went, he, he relapsed again. And like I said, he went to rehab. And then when he came out of rehab, he spent the first day with his son. And then the next day is when, when the tragedy occurred. And... After that, that is when Brittany had got... Wait, wait, before we get to Brittany. Okay, so, uh, well, first of all, when he, what would make him go into the hospitals? Like, did you bring him there voluntarily, or did he do something that the police picked him up, or how did he, what made him get into the hospitals? He was, he, he was so tormented, and he was so scared, and... He, he would come to me and he would just say, I I, you know, I need help. Something's wrong with me, you know. And he, he thought people were going to kill him and he was hearing voices. And the voice was a female. He would always tell us, she's telling me to do these things. And, you know, there was, there was charges he was con- not convicted of but accused of prior to this first assault. And it was um, his son's baby's mother her new boyfriend's uncle he is handicapped and cody had got it in his head that that this guy had done something sexually to his son which was absolutely not true but he said the voices were telling him that and and this elderly gentleman was assaulted and left for dead in his backyard but he survived by cody and yes and cody was he he was charged with it. Is that then, that's the oh that's the previous crime. That's not the one that he's in jail for. They just they just threw it away. I mean, he was never convicted of it. It was just it was dismissed, and and, and it, we never heard anything else about it. So and it just uh, continued, and then until the the big event happened, and a man lost his life. Yes, he shot a man and he used a machete on two women, your daughter and some and another woman. Correct. But um so when he would get out of the hospital, did you make sure that he took his medication? did he did they give him medication to take when he would leave the hospital? The first time he went to Eastern State Hospital, they did prescribe him medication and he took it and he done well. And then he ended up Stop. He stopped taking it, and he ended up starting back to use. And he would always, he, he didn't want to use, obviously. And, and when he was clean, he would he would struggle so much with staying away, you know, from people and places. And then he would always end up falling back into that circle and use again. 
and his mental health was already fragile. And then when he would use the methamphetamine, it, he would just spiral completely out of control. Yes, like a lot of people, you know, use as a, as self medication, um, use different meth or or marijuana or whatever uh, or alcohol, you know, different things to self medicate. Um, schizophrenia doesn't. Ha- I bet you is he doing better in jail because is this? Do they is he seeing a psychiatrist in jail and doing better? Well, he was actually evaluated to see if he could stand trial and they found him competent to stand trial and the doctors had told me that there was no evidence of schizophrenia and I was like he's very good at concealing it and they said there no you can't conceal schizophrenia and I was like yes I've seen him you know just because he's hearing those voices and not acting on them and you're all not seeing it you, you know, you're saying it's not possible that he has it when he does. Mm-hmm. And he he would be, there would be times when I would pick him up and he would just, he would make me get out of the car and walk to an area and he would be so afraid to talk because mm-hmm. he was afraid that they could hear him or that they would know and they would find out. And Yes. Well, it's a very, a very unfortunate um, and not atypical story. They're really, you know, um, in these kinds of big hospitals, there really isn't the kind of uh, individualized attention and follow-up that is needed. Well, we're going to take a break now. Um, okay. My guest is Donna Hubbard. We're talking about um, Donna is the mother of Brittany Heislop's first love, who was not Brian Koberger. And she's telling us the story. We, we've been talking about her son, Cody. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, the connection, how how Brittany made a connection with him and, um, and then his story in regard to Brittany. It's really interesting. And I think a warning to uh, Brian Koberger. All right. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The show today is Mom of Brittany Heislop's First Love, who was not Brian Koberger, tells all. My guest is Donna Hubbard. She is the mother of Cody Hall, who was, in fact, Brittany Heislop's First Love. Heislopes. Am I pronouncing it right? Heislope? Heislope, yeah. Heislope, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So why don't we talk, and it's really, you know, it's a very sad story what you were talking about, and um, it's hard to know, it's hard to know whether the, I mean, you know, people sometimes, as I was starting to say, um, people with schizophrenia or sometimes try to self-medicate with various drugs or alcohol and so on. And of course, the problem is that the drugs and the alcohol make the underlying psychiatric problem worse. So why don't we start by talking about how Brittany Hubbard got her hands on your son? Brittany Hyslope. Hyslope. Not Hubbard. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Brittany Hyslope. Let's be careful about that. Um, How she got her hands on your son. Well, when... The incident occurred. He, it was all over the news, obviously. And, and we're talking about it's 2017 that this deadly incident happened. Correct. And she had seen him on the news and seen his mugshot. Well, we didn't know who she was. We we had no no clue that she even exists. And we had attended the the court hearing, the pretrial, where they they lay out all the evidence and they they talk about everything in detail. Well, in the courtroom, she was sitting in front of me and um, Cody's baby's mother. Her name is Kinsley. Well, um, she was sitting in front of me and Kinsley, and we were kind of unsure of who she was and we we couldn't figure out you know while she was in there what she was doing there or why she was in the courtroom and she was on cody's side of course the guy that passed away all his family was on the other side and she was on cody's side so when we went out into the hallway they had asked um they had asked me and the guy that passed away's mother to step out because you know they may have to calls his witnesses later so we stepped out and my daughter-in-law I call her my daughter-in-law um, they were never married but she came out and was asking me she said who is that girl because by this time you know everything had was over and she was sitting in the courtroom and my daughter-in-law had recorded some in the courtroom I know that's probably <laughs> frowned on but um, oh, she, had, <laughs> she, but, um, she had seen, um, 
Brittany talking to her son and her son was asking in the courtroom to leave the courtroom because he didn't feel comfortable. And that's what my daughter-in-law was recording because we didn't know who she was or why she had this, this child in the courtroom. And the boy was saying, I want, I want to leave. And the judge had even asked before I left the courtroom. Brittany brought her son? Yes. Yes. Okay. And how the judge had had asked her, he said, you know, do you want to take this child out? Because this is going to be very graphic. And she said, no, (laughs) and and wouldn't leave the courtroom with this child. So, and we were very confused. It must have been about 11. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So we came out of the courtroom and she was, well, when they came out, I came out first because they wouldn't let me stay in for the whole thing. And then when she came out, she sat down on a bench over there and I just approached her and she seemed very, very mild mannered, very soft spoken. She's a very pretty girl. And I asked her, I was like, who are you? I said, I'm Cody's mother. You know, who, why are you here? And she told me her name and I said, oh, I said, so you're here because of Wilma. Ah, you thought because um, that she was for the other side, that she, because of the connection um, of the woman who was, who, who the woman who was cut with a machete that your son cut with a machete will will well, I thought she was there you know because of that and their last name being high slope okay yes and she said no she said I'm here for Cody and I was like how do you know Cody mm-hmm. and she said well I remember him from back in school and I was like okay so why are you here today and she said well I just want to be here to support him Hmm. and I was kind of a little confused about it and I told her I said do you know him personally and she said no I just seen it on the news and I wanted to come show my sport and I was like okay well I appreciate you being here I will let him know then when I went over to talk to Cody's attorney she came over behind me and she stood there over my shoulder listening to everything we were saying and talking about. And my daughter-in-law was sitting back like on a bench out in the hallway, recording her standing behind me. Oh yeah. And I looked over my shoulder and I was like, do you need something? (laughs) She's like, no, I'm just listening. And I was like, okay. But then she started to go and I told Cody on a visit and, you know, on a phone call that about her. Yeah. And he was a little, a little freaked out about it because of the fact that she you know, had the name Hoslo. Yeah. Well, then she started showing up at the jail. Well, wait, did he, when she was at the hearing, um, was she trying to catch his eye, trying to flirt with him in any way? Did she go up to him? She, no, he was actually, when they brought him in, she was sitting in the courtroom and he had asked me later when he called home, he said, who is that girl? And I was like, that's what I was going to talk to you about. She apparently is there to support you. And he said, I don't know her. And then he was like, okay, that's weird. But, and he, he didn't want anything to do with her at first because the fact that her last name was high slope and he thought there was some ulterior motive. And of Uh course 
he he was very suspicious of, of everything at this time anyway. So, and then she started showing up at the jail. And he wouldn't take her visits there for a while. And finally, he decided to, to let her visit. And he said it was just very weird and awkward. Said she just sat there and stared at him and just was really weird and was like, hi. And he was like, hi. And then he decided that because she was just telling him how much she loved him and she's seen it on the news and that she was in love with him. He was her soulmate. And so he he thought, okay, well, I can get some money out of this girl. And I'm a typical inmate. I mean, I, I'm not proud of it, but, it, I mean, it is what it is. Uh-huh. And he, he did for a while. She put money on his books and called him a few times. And then she kept coming to the jail, and he would tell me on phone calls later, she's just weird. You know, Mom, she's weird. And I was like, yeah, she seems a little odd. So then she started reaching out to me on Facebook. Wait, did she send him letters, too, and pictures of herself? No, because she was local, so she went there. Oh, she just went there, huh? Okay, yeah. And she visited him one time, and he said he didn't really want to hurt her feelings because he said, you know, she seems nice. I I really don't want to hurt her feelings. So he tried to introduce her to another inmate. (laughs) Yeah. So then she got, she didn't want nothing to do with that other inmate. Because Cody was her true love. And she went to see Cody one time, and she had told him that she loved him more than her only son. And when she told him that, he said, girl, you don't even know me. He said, I'm a murderer. I'm going to prison. You don't even know me. And she said, but I love you and all this. And and he said, no, this is this is getting a little too weird for me. So he he stopped seeing her and would block her visits, wouldn't wouldn't accept her visits, her phone calls or anything. How long had this been going on? Probably about a month. Uh-huh. So then she started trying to go and visit the other inmate that uh-huh. he had introduced her to. So that she could try to see Cody in the background because they visited in like a dorm type environment. Uh-huh. The the guards had to make her leave several times because she would go to the jail and just sit in the visitation booth. She would harass the guards. She would call the jail multiple times daily and terrorize the guards to the point where they they just told her, you, you know, don't come back to the jail. So, and then she started reaching out to me and wanted to know with Cody. And she said, I, she was accusing me and the guards of not allowing her to see Cody. And I told her, I I have nothing to do with it. Cody does not want to see you. And she just would not take no for an answer. She's like, well, I don't believe it until I hear it from him. So I said, you know, do you want me to do a video with him and record it, you know, on my phone? So I did that and I sent her the video and she said that we made him do it. And then she lashed out. She started talking about my daughter-in-law, Cody's baby mom is what she called it, and my grandson. And that's when I'd had enough of her. 
I hadn't really responded any to her on Facebook. And I wrote her a message. Well, it, it wasn't a private message. It was actually on a post telling her, you, you know, this is not love. You don't just fall in love with somebody you see. It takes time and commitment and work. And and she flashed back and called me a bitch and told me that she would fight me if she seen me in the streets and that we made him do it. And then I started kind of following her Facebook a little more close because she would go for a long time and not mention Cody, and then she would mention him again. So not to sound like a stalker, but I have kept in touch with her Facebook for the past four years. Mm-hmm. And it is always some kind of just weird rambling threats. She started on some local girls here in town and was just slandering them horribly on Facebook that they had been with her baby's dad. Mm. And I know these girls personally and, and and they haven't, she, I don't know if maybe he spoke to them at one point, but, and she talks about all of the injustices and traumas that she suffered. To my knowledge, the only trauma that she has suffered is poverty because she doesn't work and that her baby's dad cheated on her and left her. Uh-huh. That, I mean, other than that, I do not know of any hardships that this, this girl has had. Well, what, there was something on Facebook about her parents getting divorced at age when she was four. Yeah, her parents did get divorced. And, and I know that mental health issues run in her family. Her grandfather, uh, according to her, this was completely from her Facebook, committed suicide and her grandmother found him uh, hanging in the barn mm. and her mother tried to, and she's even put you know in many posts that her mother tried to have a relationship with her but she didn't trust her mom and at one point she accused her mom of being with her son's father mm. and her mother actually was killed in an explosion oh wow when was that she was killed in a gas explosion. It's It's been some time back. I don't remember the exact date. I'm not real great with keeping up with dates. But she had posted on Facebook that repeatedly that she was not going to attend the funeral unless that they had her casket open. Mm-hmm. And she said they tried to tell me that they can't open it due you know, to the condition of her body. If I don't see her it dead in the casket. Um, I don't, she still does not acknowledge that her mother has passed. Where was this explosion? I, to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure it was in Stanford, Kentucky. I'm thinking. I mean, is there any way that uh, Brittany could have been responsible for it? I, I wouldn't think, no. It was, <laughs> it was a gas line explosion. <laughs> So when her parents got divorced, she went to live with her father? That I'm I'm not, I can't comment on that because I'm not sure where she went. I do know that she's been on her own for a long time. Um, She was with her son's dad and she had ended up pregnant and getting government housing. So I know she has lived in um, government housing for a long time. 
And I read something, I think, on her Facebook or somewhere that um, her brother died. No, she has a brother. She, he's not dead. No, not to my knowledge. And at some point, she had a relationship with him, and he would come over, and she would talk about how it was good for Damien to, you know, to be in his life. But for some reason, she has cut him off as well. So, Damien is the brother. That's that's her her child. Her son is Damien. Uh huh. Hmm. You know what? Have you thought about, could she have been in one of these hospitals um, that your son was in, that they had met each other then, and your son just doesn't remember? Not not to my knowledge. He he says that he didn't know her, and he said he, he kind of remembered her from back in school. But oh, he, oh, really? Huh. But she's much older than he is, right? He is no. She's just um, a year and a half. He or well, no, he's thirty-three. She's three and a half years. So they would have been. But he said he remembered her from uh, in school. Uh huh. Okay. Um. I mean, it must have been a little scary, especially with your son having a son. Um, like rejecting her must have been a little scary, not knowing what she would do, you know, that she would have been, I'm sure she was super angry. So not knowing what she might do being super angry. It's still scary. And, it, and my family was, they, when I would try to, cause I tried to befriend her because I knew that she had mental health issues and I knew that, you know, she didn't have anybody. And I thought, well, you know, maybe, you know, if I reach out to her and then it just, it was like, no, you, this is not somebody, this is a lifetime movie. This is, yeah. you know, I can't introduce her into my family and try to befriend her. And this was early on. And, and my mom early on was like, well, maybe she would be good for Cody. And then we started to see her unravel. And we was like, no, this is definitely not good for anybody. And and my family was completely against me doing this interview because they said, what are you going to do? You know, she shows up at your door. Huh. I mean, and she's the type, that, oh, if you can commit an injustice toward me and this and that. And she's made some pretty, pretty sick threats on Facebook. To, one was to a girl named Ashley. I don't know who, who that girl is. Well, hold that thought because we need to take another break. And when we come back, we can get back to that. I mean, it was very generous of you to uh, to try to, to befriend her, you know, to sort of nurture her in a way. Well, we need to take a break. Um, my guest is Donna Hubbard, the mother of Cody Hall, who was Brittany Slope's first love who is now in love, supposedly love sick, <laughs> emphasis on the sick, with Brian Koberger. We'll have to give her some warnings, or give him some warnings, I should say, um, as to what to expect. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Donna Hubbard, the mother of Cody Hall, who is in jail in Kentucky, and who was uh, Brittany Highslope's first love. Um, before the break, you were starting to say something about uh, something that she did to a woman. Now, you live, and let me just clarify something, you live in the same town as Brittany? I live about three miles from her. Oh my, you live about three miles from her? Probably three to four miles from her, yes. Wow, hmm. Um, so that does get a little scary. Yes, it does. <laughs> and then the jail or the prison where your son is at, how far is that from you and she? That is probably about three hours. Oh, really? Yes. She used to go up there. She used to travel three hours, three hours. No, he is three hours now. The jail that she would go see him is was probably about 15 minutes from her house. Oh, okay. And then when he moved, she didn't. She hasn't been up to see him. Well, no, because it had we had put a stop to it by then because he was in there for a long time before he because he wouldn't plead. He wanted to take it to trial and try to fight it, and and we finally talked him into taking a plea deal because he if he went to trial he would have probably got life, and he just he he thought because of the situation and what he thought it was that he could beat it. Uh-huh. And his, his reality of what it really was, was very distorted. Uh-huh. 
Um, you know, it seems like, though, that he should have had, did he have a, for, you know, this is the kind of work that I do as a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness. Did he ha- did his attorney uh, have, hire an expert witness, a, a psychiatrist as an expert witness to talk about his mental health issues? Yeah. You know, you could theoretically, um, I don't know if you want to go through a whole thing, but you could do an appeal for um, ineffective assistance of counsel, meaning that his attorney, who was, was he probably a, was he a, a public defender? He had, he had a public defender, yes. Yes, that's the problem. Public defenders have a million cases and they don't have much time to spend on any one case and, and they don't uh, do it, you know, as, as thoroughly as they should much of the time. But, um, that would be like um, an appeal for ineffective assistance of counsel for not having brought in a psychiatric expert witness to talk about, at least as a mitigating factor, his mental illness, if not that he was not guilty by reason of insanity. So well, some- they, they did send him uh, to one of their facilities, a prison facility that is like a psychiatric unit and have it do an evaluation. But other than that, but, you know, and, and that's like I told Cody, you know, if you take the murder off the table and the murder didn't occur, there was two unarmed women that were attacked. So there, I mean, there had to be justice for what he had done, but, you know, I don't think that he deserved life for what he'd done, but I, I, you know, and Cody's always going to have problems. I mean, he he told me months ago, he's been incarcerated for a long time now, and he told me months ago that he felt safer in there mm-hmm. and that when he would hear her try to start on him again, he would just put on his headphones and go in his bunk, and he had learned to block her out and control her. And when I say her, I'm talking about, the voice that, that he hears. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's still an ongoing issue for Cody. They they don't address it. They've not treated it. It's, he isn't on medication now? No. See, this is the opportunity, really, to, uh, you know, to, to go to the hospital psychiatrist and, and get on medication, find a medication that he would like, you know. Correct. All right. Well, getting back to Brittany and Ashley, what were you going to say? There was a girl... That was named Ashley that she named on her one of her Facebook posts. And she made just very scary threats about this girl. She has and there's other girls which she hasn't said their name that she has threatened to shoot, that she has threatened to choke. Just she wanted to like do it physically with her hands and not to underestimate her. And then, and here lately, she's been talking about annihilating people that do injustices to her, and, and it, it's it's scary because you you don't know what's going to happen and when. You know, I, I mean, every, every time somebody knocks on the door, I always make sure who it is because the instance the one lady got shot in the face. I, I don't remember the case or her name. Wait, related to Brittany? No, 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 no. I'm just talking about in, in, in the past, thing, incidents that have happened. The one lady answered her door, and Mary Jo Buttafuoco, remember that? Yes. She, yes. Was, she, was, she was shot in the face. I mean, you never, you yes. never know what no, people... 
<laughs> mental health state is. So, yes, absolutely. So, um, so let's talk about um, Brian Koberger. And it just occurred to me that I didn't make clear at the beginning, I guess, because I think you'd have to be under a rock if you don't know <laughs> who Brian Koberger is these days. Um, Brian Koberger is a man who is in jail in Moscow, Idaho, um, for uh, being, he was con- accused, uh, charged with the murder of four Idaho college students. Um, and and he, um, his trial, his pre-trial is going to be in June, the end of June. And, um, and so he's, you know, has four murder, first degree murder uh, charges hanging over his head. Now, Brittany, um, as I was saying at the beginning, she has claimed on her, uh, on social media, she has claimed, and apparently it's true, I guess, or, or there might be someone from the jail saying to the media that no, she, she hasn't sent any letters. But in any case, she's claimed that she's been sending Brian Koberger love letters and sexy pictures and writing all about um, how he gives her these sensations that she doesn't feel with anybody else. Um, and and his so his, do you think that she's going to, you know, this is a much smaller jail, I would imagine, than the one that your son was at. Um, do you think that uh, she's going to go to, Idaho and and try to see to actually see um, Brian Koberger. My honest opinion, I think financially she, that probably won't happen for her. And I think if the trial is in June, that's what four months out. I think she'll move on to her next obsession before then. <laughs> so I think the next the next inmate she sees grace the news will be who she's writing about next. Yeah, but like it, there's been a while between your son and Brian Koberger. Was there somebody else in between? Oh, she's she had a, a fixation with JFK. She talked about being obsessed with uh, the car salesman. A cop pulled her over and she actually texted him. The car salesman just had to tell her, stop, leave me alone. Oh. She was obsessed with... Um, the mayor of our town that passed away, but she didn't obtain this, uh, or uh, this obsession didn't happen until after he passed. She has had an obsession with Post Malone, other other movies. It, it's it's a very very common thing with her after a few months, and it she will occasionally go back and refer back to the the past relationships that she has fantasized about but if he was local or if she thought it was possible yes she would definitely show up and but i think with her it's it's just i don't know if it's her way of creating a love life and a relationship that she's safe from mm-hmm. you know, they're incarcerated or they're dead or they're they're movie stars these are these are safe relationships that can't hurt me or cheat on me. Yes. I mean, you know, the reason why women um, do this is because, um, well, it starts out with their having, and, and I wrote about this in my letter to her, my open letter in Newsweek, 
um, I, you know, I get asked to write about things for Newsweek, and um, I was asked to write about her and her her obsession with Brian Koberger. Um, and I wrote it as a as an open letter, not just you know commenting about it. And um, which may be where you were t- during the break. You were saying something about that she's now talking about incels on her Facebook. Uh-huh. Yes, I would. I've been. I was the first one actually to talk about how before they arrested Brian Koberger to say that the murderer um, is an incel, meaning a man who is involuntarily celibate. Um, so. So anyway, women who go for these kinds of men who are in jail and um, uh, my book, Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them and When to Leave Them, uh, I talk about 12 different types of bad boys. And the last one, the most serious one, is the lethal lover. And uh, for each of these girls, though, for each of the, the women who go for these 12 types of bad boys, it has to do with what kind of dysfunctional relationship they had with their father. So different kinds of dysfunctional relationships point them unconsciously in the direction of different types of bad boys. And lethal lovers, um, you know, women who like to write or fall in love with men in jail, um, their fathers were incredibly cold, often abusive. Um, that's why I was asking before about whether she was with her father or with her mother when they when her parents got divorced. But the fathers are very, very cold and cruel. And well, so she, on her Facebook, she talks about her her dad. To I mean, she puts him on a pedestal and holds him to a very high standard. She talks very negatively about her mother, but she talks like the her dad, like the sun rises and sets in him. But, you know, she's mentioned her uncle on there many times. And that she said that if her uncle was alive, that she would have a sexual relationship with him now, even though he was much older and it would be frowned on. But it, it you know, it wouldn't matter if she was OK with it and he was OK with it. And you know, she talks about her uncle in a very obsessive way and and a lot of times when she refers to her dad, she says, and, and I don't mean that sexual. I mean that, you know, from a different standpoint. I don't want to say exactly because I don't really know how, to, how she worded it. But she always makes sure to clarify that what she's speaking of with her dad is in a non-sexual way. It sounds sexual, but she clarifies that it is not. Well, you know, sometimes the lady doth protest too much, <laughs> you know, same, <laughs> same thing with saying that the sun rises, you know, out of, <laughs> out of him, <laughs> out of his heart. Um, but, but the thing is, another aspect of it is that um, it's like when someone, you know, when a bad boy, a, um, a lethal lover is like the lion walking, walking around the town. <clears throat> And the townspeople are afraid of him because he's so dangerous, you know, so tough. And the woman who can get um, this man to to love her, you know, it's like she can pull the thorn out of um, the lion's paw. And that makes her sort of, in a way, the biggest threat or the most important person in the town because she was able to, um, you know, have power over this lion. Correct. Who else was afraid of. So that's part of it, too. There are a number of different aspects to it. 
But um, surely, I mean, I guess we don't know all the traumas that she suffered as a child, but um, but certainly there must be some. So I just want to say, since we're, we're running out of time here, I just want to say that um, you really need to um, keep safe. I mean, I know you know this, but um, now that you tell me that you're so close to where she lives, um, I hope you have all kinds of alarms and everything on your house. We do. <laughs> okay. um, and, and I wouldn't hesitate to call, like, don't think that the police are going to think you're stupid or something. I wouldn't hesitate to call and to put in writing um, any anything that you feel from her uh, is a threat directly or indirectly, like something on her website or, you know, on social media or whatever, um, just um, to take care of yourself because Cody needs you. <laughs> Yeah, and so does his little grandson. So, (laughs) my grandson, he's his son, but yeah. (laughs) Right, right. No, it's really nice that you have that. That's very sweet. Well, all right, Donna Hubbard, I'd like to thank you for sharing all this, being brave. And of course, I know that your point is to uh, try to make sure that other people don't get uh, fall through the cracks in the mental health system. It is a major problem these days. Uh, lots of people are falling through the cracks and ending up in prison or nowadays with um, not uh, with giving low bail and all of that. They're not even ending up in jail. They're on the streets. So it's a very big problem. So I wish you and your grandson and Cody well. And uh, thank you very much for being a guest on Dr. Carol's Couch. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And I'd like to thank all of you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 